0: Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beavers Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. We're back with the Las Vegas Bowl edition of the podcast preview in Oregon State's big matchup down in the desert with the Florida Gators. Again, welcome back to the Edge Podcast. TJ, Bowl week is upon us, man. The Beavers are in Vegas. How excited are you for this
1: matchup? Wish I could be there. It'll be nice. <laughs> but the the game itself has a potential to be good. It could be a blowout as well. We'll get into yeah. it. Florida's roster attrition is significant, and Vegas agrees with it. And they finally have yeah. a game like on their doorstep. That's not the Raiders that they can look at, like literally look at really closely because it's literally right on the strip, and decide. <laughs> well, the spread's ten and a half now. Totals fifty one. So, you know, we're 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 liking the Beavs' chances here with a a, a much more continuous roster for what they had during the regular season post to Florida, which, you know, not really surprising with the first year head coach to have this much roster churn after year one. Right. It's pretty significant. But.
0: Right. I mean, and let's start with just, you know, the most important position on the field and that's quarterback, right? And Anthony Richardson will not be playing for the Florida Gators in this matchup. And I think that is really kind of where everything cascades from, right? So you're talking about Richardson who. Real dual dual threat, TJ, not only was able to get it done with his arm and not the greatest completion percentage uh, by any stretch, but his ability to get it done on the ground had, I believe, you know, double digit rushing touchdowns and was kind of a real threat uh, in that regard. Uh, Obviously, now they move to Jack Miller, the second, the Ohio State transfer who hasn't taken a collegiate snap. How much of an advantage is that for the Beavers?
1: It's a, a decent advantage. I thought Anthony Richardson would have been a pretty interesting matchup for I agree. what needs to play. I mean, you mentioned, he's not really that much of a passer, even though he's projected to go in the first round of this draft this year. Yeah, I think I think people still NFL people view him as like a project, you know, right. a, ho- a hope for the best, but he really has talent with his legs and with his arm. He's just not very accurate. I think 52% completion right, percentage yeah. is the number for him, which is really low. And um, I was curious, we we had a writer on, on our program yesterday here at uh, Joe Radio just, you know, kind of asking him if the, if the offense was going to change much at all. And he said maybe a little bit because A. Jack Miller is not the athlete that Anthony right. Richardson is, and he's also probably just a more accurate thrower because – that's not really what Anthony Richardson was, even as green as Jack Miller is. He you know, could sit there in the pocket a little bit better and throw a little bit more accurately to these receivers what Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson really wasn't always able to do this year. So that's, I guess, one thing I'm looking at. And right. you, know, you mentioned, so Richardson's not playing. Jalen Kitna dismissed from the program. Uh, so that leaves Jack Miller, you know, a guy, yeah. and he was also hurt for a number of weeks this year, too. He had a right. thumb injury that he had surgery on and had to recover. I think he's been healthy for about a month. Yeah, So it's an interesting dynamic from two programs that don't have their starting, their original starting quarterback from this year per se.
0: Right. No. And I think you hit it right on the nail. You know, you talk about Richardson just being unpolished as a passer and, you know, you, his game log, you know, absolutely show that there's a couple two, three games where he's in the forties and fifties for completion percentage. QBR wasn't necessarily standing out this year, but again, uh, the almost 700 rushing yards and nine touchdowns certainly stand out on the ground. So not that Oregon state hasn't proven uh, capable of, you know, slowing down uh, a, a dual threat quarterback this year, TJ, but I think we've seen they're better at against guys. that are maybe a little bit more pocket heavy. And I think we're going to, not you know, see a little bit more of that with Jack Miller. I don't think he's quite the, the, the pure runner and danger to run, you know, big, big bodied runner that Richardson is and kind of, and going along with that, too, uh, just the pure experience aspect of it, Oregon State, this is familiar for them, TJ. I mentioned it when uh, we caught up with, um, you know, Jonathan Smith this last week before they left for Vegas. We forget, flash forward a year ago, it was Utah State's largely third stringer all year in Cooper Lega who ended up coming in and kind of lighting the Beavers up, so to speak, in that L.A. Bowl last year, and Jonathan Smith you know, kind of smiled and, you know, kind of acknowledged that they they need to be prepared for anything. So I don't think the Beavers are gonna be overlooking whoever Florida is in there and quarterback because I don't think this is a situation where there's um a severe talent drop-off. There's maybe a severe experience drop-off mm-hmm. in this case. But this is still an Ohio State transfer, TJ. I, I you know, I, I still think, you know, if Oregon State allows them to get too comfortable, anything could happen. So that's where it's going to be up to Trent Bray and the defense to really put pressure on this quarterback, making, you know, his first career start big time environment, potentially, you know, um, easily probably the biggest stadium or one of the bigger stadiums he's ever played in uh, or at least been in as a football player, so to speak. So we'll see how Florida kind of handles that pressure with a whole bunch of guys that will be playing uh, numerous positions, but uh, of note, Um, more recently, uh, Florida defensive lineman Gervin Dexter, who originally was reported was not going to play in this game, TJ. uh, He is going to play in this game now. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly. The
1: uh, 400-pound guy.
0: I don't have his exact uh, height and weight in front of me, but he declared for the NFL draft right after Richardson, same day. And then when I looked at the you know the media sheet this week, when I'm looking at the press conferences, uh, there's Dexter up there with uh, head coach Billy Napier. So he's definitely decided to go in this one. So, you know, TJ and I talked about it a little bit uh, leading into the podcast, but, you know, numerous guys are going to be out for Florida in this one. Uh, TJ, I believe we said the number is over 20 uh you know deflections departures opt outs what have you with guys entering the portal guys who have declared guys who have just moved on so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how motivated florida is for this mm-hmm. matchup um in 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 all aspects
1: and dexter's not by the way i just double checked i was thinking of okay. someone else but the the numbers i have for guys missing so i think it's what somewhere around 24 to 25 about 30% yeah. of their scholarship players Like, just think of the contrast to the two different programs that we have. Obviously, Billy Napier's in year one. Jonathan's in year five. But, you know, Jonathan only has two guys that we know of sitting out for this Mm -hmm. whole baseball game. Rayon Wright, hurt. Luke Musgrave, hurt. So, like, at least they have excuses.
0: Oh, you got to put in the third, man, Chance Nolan.
1: (laughs) I, that that's a good point that's a good point
0: te- technically he counts right <laughs> he,
1: he does yes he does technically count okay so uh, three right jokes aside yeah i mean 30 percent of their scholarship players give or take are out right uh a couple positions they're especially thin at you know the rushing attack is the strength of this offense i mean there's an, uh, a a bunch of numbers that support how good their rushing offense is they're you know fifth nationally in yards per rush Fifteenth in total rushing yards per game. I mean, they're very efficient on the ground, and they do it with two really good runners: Trevor Etienne, the brother brother of Travis Etienne, who's uh, the running back for the Jaguars, and then Montrell Johnson as well. Yeah, they're the only two scholarship running backs remaining on this roster. The other two went into the portal, so they have their two stud running backs, and then they have walk-ons behind them. So that's something to know. Yeah. two scholarship running backs, and then outside linebacker they only have two scholarship outside linebackers on the roster. Two. Mm, Yes. That's it. And if we go inside, they only have four inside linebackers on the roster. So I'd imagine you might have some of those inside guys flip outside for this game, just for depth purposes. So it thins out both positions, really. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. One more thing. Sure. This could be, you know, potentially, you know, a game changing thing. They're going to miss over a thousand snaps of special teams contributions in this game. 1,000 snaps.
0: Wow. That is significant folks. That That is significant.
1: So that just a couple of things to look at uh, in, in that case and their special teams, by the way, I don't think it was very good this year to begin with. Right. So now they're going to have a bunch of guys who are inexperienced out there playing special teams.
0: Right, this is just such a weird game to get a uh, to get a vibe on for all those reasons because you know there's still talent because it's Florida, but yet at the same token, you've got a whole bunch of guys that are me into new roles for the first time as you mentioned and guys who have like not played special teams are me asked to all of a sudden block maybe on an all important punt or on a all important extra point attempt or whatever it may be. So I look at it as that's an advantage for Oregon State, but as you know, I mentioned earlier in the pod, and last year sometimes this is an opportunity for those young guys to go out and say, "Hey, here's why I'm going to be the starter next year." Case in point, Utah State's quarterback last year in the L.A. Bowl. So I I I really think that. Oregon State can't get too overconfident because these are still SEC guys, SEC-level recruits. But for all those reasons that you mentioned, it just seems like Oregon State's going to have a vast experience edge and should be able to attack the game in such a way that benefits their veteran veteran veteranness to kind of make up a word, against Florida's youthfulness. Because, you know, there are just going to be plays that, like, Oregon State secondary can make because they played – Jaden Grant played – been around football for seven years that maybe a 18 or 19 year old for Florida is just not going to be able to make or you know what have you so I think Oregon State has to lean on their experience and multiple aspects here and you know especially after last year TJ the big theme this whole you know talking to the team this week has been wanting to finish and the Beavers kind of feel like they left a lot on the table in the LA Bowl last year left a real sour taste in their mouth you know felt like they could have won and you know, if you watched the first 48 seconds of that game, you would have thought Oregon State was going to run away with it. Then, mm-hmm. you know, some things changed and circumstances changed and Oregon State, you know, ended up having a pretty rough showing in that game. So whether, you know, the numerous people we've talked to on the team and whatnot, it seems like there's just a, uh, an, innate, an innate desire to just want to dominate in a bowl game. And they conceded 10 wins. I mean, uh, you know, to insert the vegas uh vegas uh you know kind of uh saying here at least going into the game it looks like things are all coming up orange and black on the little 777 dial i mean it's it's you you look across the board and it's like this matchup is prime for oregon state they have to show up and play the game tj but we'll get into some more stats Mm -hmm. but You know, for a Florida team that, you know, is allowing a 415 yards total offense uh, to their opponents, including a buck 75 on the ground, 240 through the air. That's room for Ben Goldberg to make some plays in the passing game room for Damian Martinez, Jim Griffin and company to make some plays in the run game. Uh, And then the other one that stood out to me was Florida's third down defense, TJ. Uh, Some of the worst in the country allowed um, almost 50 percent conversions um, they, they check in at uh, 49% only Arizona state, Florida, international South Florida and Colorado had, a, had allowed, uh, um, more, um, third down efficiency this year. So there, there's just a lot of statistics that I like, uh, favoring Oregon state in this matchup.
1: There are one thing before I go to numbers, something that wasn't mentioned. And I really didn't think of, Please. uh, until we talked to Laura Rutledge on our show today, uh, here in Corvallis and, I, I this didn't even cross my mind. They win this game. It's probably the second best season in Oregon State history, is it not? It,
0: we were discussing that this week on uh, on on Rip City Mornings as well, and I think I think it's definitely going to be in consideration. I mean, you 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 know, for the sake of argument, I think we should just you know look at the modern era, as Mike Parker loves to say, from time and time again. Um, So, like, really modern cable television on, I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of great history for Oregon State, you know, with the the Rose Bowls that were and the Rose Bowl that was moved, that they won, so on and so forth. But when you look like, say, even just 98 onwards or what have you, 2000 obviously will stand alone until Oregon State has another season like that and goes to a BCS game and has a share of the Pac-12 title and all that. But this if they win 10 games, it will, you know, tie, it will be this only the first 10 win season since Mike Riley's uh, 06 team went 10 and four, they needed 14 games to get to 10 wins as opposed to Oregon state, which, you know, could get to uh, 10 wins um, um, or excuse me needed. Um, yeah. No, they played 14 games because they went 10 and yep. four that year. So same kind of a thing, but Oregon state can finish this year with one less loss. So I think that's, you know, something to consider too, but it's, it's tough because in 2008, 2009, you were one game away from the Rose Bowl. And those were two of what I think were Mike Riley's best teams. Not to say that 06 wasn't one of his best teams, but 08 and 09, I think were his best. They were just a game away from the Rose Bowl. As I recall in 2006, they were um, either a game or two or it already kind of been eliminated by, from the Rose Bowl by the time the you know later part of the season had gone on. So I think it's in contention. If you were to ask me right now if they win this game and they finish 10 and 3 and what do you think the ceiling is, TJ, do you think they could go top 10 in the playoff or AP final if they won? If you could get top or just stay stationary. You finish top 15. Um I think I think it does take it because as much as I want to appreciate 2006, that team Um, They went into the bowl game number 24 and I think finished the season early 20s. So ranking says a lot. And I think this could, this could be the best second best Oregon state team since, um, you know, 2000 and 2000, I think 2012 has a case in there too. Uh, TJ, they were nine and three going into the bowl game, the Alamo bowl versus Texas. The similarities between this game and that game are almost hitting me like, like a ton of bricks. Oregon state was in much better shape heading into that game i believe they had a few more wins in texas that year i thought that was a really really good oregon state team you know jordan poyer brandon cooks marcus wheaton sean mannion and company Uh, but they lose the bowl game and go nine and four and finish that year nine and four so yeah i mean i think the difference between 10 and three and nine and four as silly as it sounds tj for the context of oregon state this year is massive
1: and it's just going to leave a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Right. If you end this season losing to a Florida team who has lost 30% of their scholarship players yeah. before the bowl game <laughs> even starts. I mean, like, no one is going to say, yeah, we're trying to, like, we have a veteran team. This is one of our best teams in program history, but we can't beat a six and six Florida team who lost yeah. to Vanderbilt. I mean, like, Vanderbilt, like a, a, a smidge above Colorado. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Yeah. Like, yeah. That. Um. If I'm talking about top five, I mean, I'm looking at the top 25 here. Uh. You know, one of Southern Cal and Penn State. Uh. Actually, no. No. USC's probably beating Tulane. So. Yeah. Know, it might depend if Utah wins. You might want. Uh, it's gonna be tough. I mean, I, I'm thinking they'll if they win, they'd be right outside the uh, top 25. There's a bit of uh, a bit of traffic. Or top
0: 10. To get you, top 10. You mean?
1: Yeah, top ten. It's going to be a little bit of traffic. I mean, top five, I mean, well, I think that would absolutely <laughs> be it. But
0: yeah, there's a little bit of no. traffic
1: in front of them to get into the top ten.
0: Well, and you reminded me – yeah, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that, but you reminded me to, you know, of, of, of Florida's schedule when you mentioned Vanderbilt, and I think it's a good time just to kind of do a quick little layman's run over it. TJ, have you ever seen a more Jekyll-Hyde team than the Florida Gators this year? You know, you and I have done a podcast – Every single week, all you know of Oregon State's opponents, the matchups, diving into it in depth. I don't think I've seen a team that has been more high on their highs and low on their lows, depending on which Florida team you get. And again, I think, I don't know if you can take that into consideration when you realize that 30% of the team, as TJ mentioned, is now gone. But just a couple things that stand out to me. A, they beat Utah to open the season. Regardless of how you ready you think Utah was to play in the Swamp in September, that's still an impressive win to me any way you slice it, right? They also lost to Hendon Hooker in Tennessee by five when Tennessee yeah. was rolling, okay? They, let's see, put up a pretty good fight against LSU, only lost that game by 10 only lost to Georgia by 12. Number one
1: Georgia Bulldogs, same Georgia Bulldogs that hung uh, 22, Brendan. Your math's off a little bit.
0: Or sorry, 22 there. Excuse me. Sorry, 42 Uh so, Must have thought 42 30. But still, uh, played him better than Oregon did.
1: Right. So, right. And and,
0: the,
1: uh, right. Uh, I was gonna say, and then Florida State at the end of the year, one of their, you know, they're probably their second toughest game overall, or eh, right. probably third toughest, but, you know, they only lost that one by a touchdown.
0: Right, but and i want to
1: go back to the high part of that. I'm going to just continue your sentence for you because they lost to yeah. Vanderbilt. Yep, <laughs> they beat South Florida, who I think went what one and eleven this year. Fired, yep. who fired their coach was awful. Yep. Lost to Kentucky, a pretty mediocre Kentucky team. By do you give him
0: a do you give him a ton of a uh, do you give him a ton of credit for that Eastern Washington win?
1: <laughs> i do uh that's your classic mid-october fcs game in the sec i mean it is uh it's just the right where it should be yeah what's the other cupcake game i don't see they, uh, they, honestly, they, they didn't have too much of a cupcake schedule this year to be honest
0: no it was it was a little tougher than you'd expect and especially when you consider typically eastern washington's a uh, uh, you know tougher than expected fcs team but You know, speaking of which, might have to give a little love during this podcast, TJ. Montana State still alive in the FCS playoffs. Just a loss to Oregon State on their uh, on their resume. Uh, I I think it's safe to say uh, uh, go Bobcats,
1: man. It's like uh, hopefully uh, they they bring it home. I'm trying to think about this. Like where does like amongst teams that swept their non-conference schedules, where does Oregon State's rank? It's got to be t- close to one because you have Mountain yeah. West one, Mountain West two, and FCS potentially one.
0: Yeah, but they're in, in the your- final four for the FCS, right, Montana yeah. State? Potentially yeah.
1: one. They could win the national championship. Yeah. But yeah. it's just crazy. Like, I'm not counting any SEC team who plays, like, just a mediocre yeah. FCS team to blow out one week. Like, Oregon State legitimately played a tough, you know, uh, non-conference schedule, and they yeah. swept it. And the yeah. – it it blows my mind like you know watching how good montana state is yeah uh, and just like the difference of level between fbs and fcs because oh, like yeah they're like montana state would have given up 80 points to oregon state if if jonathan smith kept his foot on the gas that whole game yeah I mean, you know it that really, was, it wasn't even close
0: yeah that was an interesting game because like Montana state moved the ball better than I would have expected. But I believe if I remember correctly, that was, you know, nine weeks ago now, something like, you know, Montana state turned the ball over a lot, but you're like, okay, I remember the first drive of the game when they basically did option quarterback runs all the way down the field. And I was like, Ooh, okay. This team could, could move the ball. So again, like just wanted to give that little shout out to uh, the Bobcats is, uh, you know, they deserve it. Right. But back to the Florida Gators, you know, just in recent weeks, let's, you know, trim the schedule down a little bit. South Carolina, you know, finished the year really well. They smacked Clemson uh, to end their year, TJ. And yeah, right. And Florida beat them 38-6 to in, you know, uh, on November 12th. And then, like you said, they follow it up with a Vanderbilt loss. And then, you know, the loss to Florida State, a seven-point loss. I don't really look at that as a bad loss. It's a rivalry game. It's close but you know i look at like vanderbilt definitely a bad loss um you know other than that like do they really have like a bad loss on their schedule other than vanderbilt
1: yeah it's probably the worst one it's just kind of crazy how those two how uh right. south carolina and florida went in opposite directions after that right right i mean they like Spencer it makes, Rattler it's weird it's weird
0: spencer it's rattler, really
1: like yeah he lit the world on fire the final 2 weeks of the season but against Florida a pretty bad defense by the yeah. way i got some numbers here on florida's defense Go spencer rattler 18 to 26 for 145 no touchdowns uh and 6 total points you know on offense for the 103rd total defense in total yards the 109th ranked defense in yards per play 98th in yards mm-hmm. per rush 104th in yards per pass. There's really like nothing here that says, "Oh, this is a good defense." There's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> they were not very good on defense this year, and they held yeah. a pretty hot South Carolina team. Well, pre-hot actually, I'd say they're preheating in that moment to uh to six points.
0: <laughs> preheating, I like that. I like that. Get it in the oven, right? It's like a, it's like uh, a Papa Murphy's, right? You preheat it to 425. There, TJ. <laughs> yeah, well, they were they were in
1: the they were waiting to go in the oven.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So let's kind of get into what we want to see in this matchup, TJ. Again, just a reminder Oregon State uh, minus 10 uh, on the spread in this game. Uh, the over under is expected to be 2.5. And I just got reminded as we started talking. TJ, we actually never addressed after uh, the win over Oregon. Your predictions are still perfect. On the year 12, chance to go 13 0. Just saying, TJ man, he he needed Oregon State to pull a rabbit out of their hat. Hey, my 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 perfect record was on the line, but I picked Beavers to win too. But TJ man, you go thirteen or you go twelve and zero, man, a chance to go thirteen and zero. I think this one will be uh, you, you'll be going if you stick with your Vegas guts. You're going
1: to be in prime position have a perfect year against the spread, my friend. And the thing is, during that third quarter, I like it. It just dawned on me. I was like, a man, people are going to be miserable on the college show. B, I'm like. It's a real shame for the way my record to go out. <laughs> and then it come back. I didn't even, it didn't even like process to me until I think I'm sitting in my car driving on the way back. I'm like, oh, well, and no. oh. Yeah, <laughs> man, there it is. I did it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. I think and you got to make it harder, Brendan. I think it needs to be picks against the spread.
0: Yeah, we might have to. I said, although, as best I can recall, and again, I've been with Beaver's Edge since we launched in the, in 2016. I don't think we've ever had a staff writer or publisher ever go undefeated in picks. So I think you have, yeah. So <laughs> Beaver's Edge I, Wall of Fame. So a little bit. I mean, again, I'm 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 99 sure. I know I've never picked a perfect year because you know even when Oregon State was struggling, I maybe picked him to win a game or something like that, but. Regardless, uh, you know, again, Beaver's Edge is going to be your place to be for all the coverage leading up uh, to the Las Vegas Bowl. is We'll be live from Las Vegas. Uh, I'll be getting into town Wednesday night, uh, late night flight, and uh, be down there uh, for a couple days. So make sure to drop a note on the Beaver's Edge board. I know a whole bunch of Beaver fans are looking to uh, link up and meet. So hopefully uh, we can all get together and say hello. But before we wrap up the podcast, TJ, let's just give a couple things that you think, kind of, some keys that you think would uh, would be uh, for Oregon State success in this one. What do you think the Beavers need to do to get a comfortable win in this one? Be ten and three, walk away with that, you know, very bedazzled looking Vegas Bowl trophy, and take some pictures with the. Uh, thank you very much. Some Elvis at the end of that game.
1: Uh, run, Damian Martinez. I think that's a good start <laughs> on the offense. I think uh, you know it'd probably be more important on the defensive side because you really don't know what you're getting. With right. Florida, I mean, again, Florida on defense has been a mess all year, and I don't know if that'll change all that I don't think so, game. no. So, you know, I would look on the defensive side for Oregon State. You're not going to have Rajon right out there. He had surgery True. on his hand, I believe, so he's not going to be playing in the bowl game. He's going to prepare for the NFL draft instead. But I think you got pretty much everyone else out there. So, you know, yep. you would want, you know, expect a sound game from that defense, and you don't want to let what, you know, Utah State's third stringer did to you last year – And, you know, this isn't Utah State's third stringer. This is Florida's third stringer, a guy who would probably start on at least a third of program, a third of teams around the country, you would assume if he was on their roster. So, I mean, you got to, even if he's green, you can't, you know you got to you can't underestimate it. him yeah you got to know how, how good year. these no. these 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 blue chip recruits are uh in Jack Miller so i'd be i'd be curious how that offense is going to stack up they're going to need to stop the run because even with an inexperienced quarterback you're going to want to lean on your you know best offensive options and that's Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson two guys you're going to want to bottle up there in the middle and Oregon state's been really good at that so yeah. i think that'll be just a couple of a keys you know turnover here and there wouldn't help either and preferably not going down 31 to 10 in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I think um, I I just, you know, w- I think Florida definitely has the potential to score points. You know, you can see that by them averaging 32 a game, but I just think this is going to be a, fl- a different Florida team. I think you're going to see the offense be a little bit more conservative and kind of lean on that ground game. Um, I, I, do I think they can let, you know, Jack Miller throw the ball? Absolutely. I mean, that's what an offensive coordinator, you got to do. You, I mean, if I'm Florida, I'm probably going deep play action to open the game just because you don't expect, you know, the Gators to necessarily start throwing the ball right away. So I think Trent Bray will have his group lined, you know, kind of ready for what they, you know, whatever they can expect. So I think that's, those are really good points. Uh, Just to kind of continue on with that. I I'm, I'm with you. I think Damian Martinez, Jam Griffin um uh even you know trey low to an extent and obviously a uh, deshaun fenwick you know that group tj got what roughly three weeks off to kind of you know ish to kind of yeah. i'm doing my, my math right um to kind of you know get off the feet a little bit i think a jam griffin and kind of you know the kind of ankle injury he had a couple weeks ago uh, obviously damian martinez got a little banged up in that oregon game Nobody going to miss time, obviously, but I think it was awesome for those guys to get some time to, you know, rest and elevate a little bit. Uh, And and everyone, I mean, obviously at the end of a 12-game season, uh, you got some bumps and bruises, but Jonathan Smith said he expects pretty much everyone to play, minus the people that um, TJ mentioned, uh, Luke Busgrave, Rajon Wright, and obviously the now-departed Chance Nolan. But, um, you know, I, I think Oregon State's just in a better spot in terms of personnel, comfortability, uh, experience, uh, want to be there. And, you know, again, I I joked and said, does Florida really want to be in this bowl game, TJ? You're leaving Florida to go to the cold desert. I don't know if they necessarily, I don't know if that, you know, it's hard to know if an SEC team wants to make the journey out West, especially after a six and six season. Obviously I'm just speaking, speaking out loud, but yeah, no, I, I just think Oregon state's a lot more motivated to be there
1: sounds like their fan base likes it, though. I think, yeah. I think there will be plenty of Gator fans who oh, yeah. love an excuse to go to Vegas. Well, again,
0: who doesn't love an excuse to go to Vegas in general? I mean, I'm speaking for myself. But no, I just think... Um, between the running game, the fact that I think Oregon State is wired in and locked in on a purpose a little bit more than Florida is, and the fact that I think they're more cohesive in their coaching attack. I mean, you know, Billy Napier and his staff are still kind of setting their culture there compared to Jonathan Smith, who just doubled down with a contract extension. Trent Bray did the same. Oregon State is cohesive. The momentum is absolutely flying upwards with the program right now and you know it's 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 a good time to be in the oregon state business so to speak that's a stock you want to get your hands on and that's why i think oregon state's going to win this matchup so make sure to stay tuned for the staff predictions as tj dylan and i will give our official scores uh, for the matchup but uh, as of now i feel pretty confident in saying that i think oregon state's going to win just have to narrow down what i expect the score to be i think it's going to be an awesome game i'm excited to be down in vegas excited to uh hang out uh, down there and see what's going on. with the Beaver's Edgers, and uh, make sure to drop a note on the board, say hello, and uh, it's going to be an awesome, an awesome atmosphere.
1: What's your first stop going to be in Vegas?
0: Well, I get in at midnight, so probably the hotel, and then straight. I haven't decided if I'm going to do anything. Probably nothing Wednesday night. I've made an obligation to be on a friend's radio show Thursday morning now. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, catch me on twelve forty Joe Radio on Thursdays. I'll be live from yeah. Vegas uh, on with yeah, TJ um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, uh, for the most part, uh, we got press conferences and stuff throughout the week, but yeah, be nice to get a little R and R on Thursday and then the Taco uh, Bell
1: will be open though, when you get in,
0: that's true. Uh, from what I've I'm staying, uh, down on the, um, down towards uh, the MGM side of the, uh, of the strip. So I've a hopefully blocks, my food courts, but... my food courts open and, uh, should be, should be a good time. So I'm looking forward to it, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be gonna be an awesome time beaver's edge is gonna be the place to be for coverage we'll have it all you know pre post game coverage of Allegiant stadium the whole nine yards uh pep rallies uh the the media availability with jonathan smith and billy napier uh wall-to-wall coverage beavers is going to be the place to be so tj definitely bummed out you're not going to be down there man but uh me i'll <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll i'll take your spirit with me man and uh, hopefully uh uh, Oregon State will put together a um, a little bit more of a complete performance than we saw in L.A. last year, and I think they will.
1: Throw five bucks on double zero for me.
0: Five bucks on double zero. Okay, let's go ahead and log that away. Good deal, good <laughs> deal. TJ's going to have to send me a text to remind me uh, Thursday when we chat on the phone. But, yeah, no, it's going to be a good time. So, TJ, my man, appreciate you joining the podcast as always. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, awesome time down there, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, how Oregon State uh, fares up against an SEC team. First time Oregon State will be going up against the Florida Gators, TJ, and an opportunity to beat an SEC opponent on a national stage. So a lot at stake for Oregon State. It's going to be a fun matchup. Keep it locked, BeaversEdge.com. We'll have complete coverage leading up to the game and post game. Thanks again for listening/slash watching this edition of the Edge Podcast.